Welcome back, everyone, to Valkyries After Dark. This is Liv, and this week's episode is set up a little differently than our usual episodes because Maddie had the brilliant idea for a couple of us to record us reading to you guys um, our favorite childhood fairy tales. And this is a little setup for our fairy tale retelling episode that comes out also this month um where in that episode we talk all things books that are either fairy tale retellings or just books that have those fairy tale elements in it that are more inspired by our favorite fairy tales and I'm really excited for that episode um I am a huge fairy tale guru like I'm a Disney girl so I'm very excited for that episode and also when we post that episode I will also be releasing my um ultimate retelling book list where I have a list of books that I have read that are retellings or books that are just on my TBR so if you're looking for a specific book with a specific fairy tale element in it it'll have it for you Um, I'm really excited for that so this is this episode that we are recording now just kind of gets us in the mood for that so it's very exciting so just cozy up with a blanket um, get some coffee a tea water wine whatever you're feeling and enjoy the fairy tale that I decided to pick is um, one of my all-time favorites. You probably could have guessed it if you know me, and it is Rapunzel. It's a Grimm Brothers fairy tale, so it's very different than the Tangled version by Disney or the classic uh, Rapunzel that you hear about. Like, I grew up watching Barbie Rapunzel. Um, I had a gerbil named Penelope named after her dragon, so Rapunzel has a very special place in my heart, and... Um, the Grimm Brothers is very differently. So here we go. There once was a man and a woman who had long in vain wished for a child. At the length, the woman hoped that God was about to grant her her desire. These people had a little window at the back of their house from which a splendid garden could be seen, which was full of the most beautiful flowers and herbs. It was, however, surrounded by a high wall, and no one dared to go in it because it belonged to an enchantress who had great power and who was dreaded by all the world. One day, the woman was standing by this window and looking down into the garden when she saw a bed which was planted with the most beautiful rapon, known as Rapunzel. It looked so fresh and green that she longed for it and had the greatest desire to eat some. This desire increased every day, and she knew that she could not, could not get any of it. She quite pined away and looked pale and miserable. Then her husband was alarmed and asked, What aileth thee, dear wife? Ah, she replied, if I can't get some of the Rapunzel, which is in the garden behind our house to eat, I shall die. The man who loved her thought, Sooner than let thy wife die, bring her some of the Rapunzel thyself. Let it cost thee what it will. In the twilight of the evening, he clambered down the, over the wall into the garden of the Enchantress hastily clutched a handful of Rapunzel and took it to his wife. She at once made herself a salad of it and ate it with much relish. Much relish. She, however, liked it so much, so very much, that the next day she longed for it three times as much before. If he was to have any rest, her husband must once more descend into the garden. In the gloom of the evening, there, therefore, he let himself down again, but when he had gone down the wall he was terribly afraid 
for he saw the enchantress standing before him. How canst thou dare, she said with an angry look, to descend into my garden and steal my Rapunzel like a thief? Thou shalt suffer for it. Ah, he answered he, let mercy take the place of justice. I only made up my mind to do it out of a necessity. My wife saw your Rapunzel from the window and felt such longing for it that she would have died if she had not gotten some to eat. Then the enchantress allowed her anger to be softened and said to him, If this is the case, be as thou sayest, I will allow thee to take away with thee as much Rapunzel as thou wilt. Only I make one condition. Thou must give me the child which thy wife will bring into the world. It shall be well treated and I will care for it like a mother. The man in his terror consented to everything, and when the woman was brought to bed, the enchantress appeared at once, gave the child name of Rapunzel, and took it away with her. Rapunzel grew into the most beautiful child beneath the sun. When she was twelve years old, the enchantress shut her into a tower, which lay in a forest, and had neither stairs nor door, but quite at the top was a little window. When the enchantress wanted to go in, she placed herself beneath, beneath it and cried, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down thy hair to me. Rapunzel had magnificent long hair, fine as spun gold, and when she heard the voice of the enchantress, she unfastened her braid, well, <clears throat> unfastened her braid, wound them down one of the hooks of the window above, and then the hair fell down twenty ells down, and the enchantress climbed up by it. After a year or two, it came to pass that the king's son rode through the forest and went by the tower then he heard a song which was so charming that he stood and listened this was rapunzel who in her solitude passed her time in letting her sweet voice resound the king's son wanted to climb up to her and looked for the door of the tower but none was to be found he rode home but the singing had so deeply touched his heart that every day he went out into the forest and listened to it once he was thus standing behind a tree, he saw that an enchantress came there and heard how she cried, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down thy hair. Then Rapunzel let down the braids of her hair, and the enchantress climbed up to her. If that is the ladder by which one mounts, I will for once try my fortune, said he. And the next day, when it came, began to grow dark, he went to the tower and cried, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down thy hair. Immediately the hair fell down and the king's son climbed up. At first, Rapunzel was terribly frightened when a man such as her eyes had never yet beheld came up to her. But the king's son began to talk to her like a friend and told her that his heart had been so stirred that it had let him have no rest and he had been forced to see her. Then Rapunzel lost her fear and when she, he asked her if she would take him for a husband, and she saw that he was young and handsome, she thought, he will love me more than the dame old Gothel does. And she said yes, and laid her hand in his. She said, I will willingly go with thee, but I do not know how to get down. Bring with thee a skin of silk for every time thou comest, and I will heave a ladder with it, and when it is ready, I will descend, and thou wilt take me on thy horse. They agreed that until that time he should come to her every evening, for the old woman came by day. The enchantress remarked nothing of this until once Rapunzel said to her, 
Tell me, Gothel, how it happens that you are so much heavier for me to draw up than the young king's son? He is, he is with me in a moment. Ah, thou wicked child, cried the enchantress. What do I hear thee say? I thought I had separated thee from all the world, and yet thou hast deceived me. In her anger, she clutched Rapunzel's beautiful hair, wrapped them twice around her left hand, seized a part of scissors with the right, and snipped and snip snap they were cut off and the lovely braids lay on the ground and she was so pitiless that she took poor rapunzel into a desert where she had to live in great grief and misery on the same day however that she cast out rapunzel the enchantress in the evening fastened the braids of hair which she had cut off to the hook of the window and when the king's son came and cried rapunzel rapunzel let down thy hair she let the hair down the king's son ascended, but he did not find his dearest Rapunzel above, but the enchantress, who gazed at him with wicked and venomous looks. Ah, she cried mockingly, thou wouldst fetch thy dearest, but the beautiful bird sits no longer singing in the nest. The cat has got it, and will scratch out thine eyes as well. Rapunzel is lost to thee, thou wilt never see her more. The king's son was beside himself with pain, and in his des despair he leapt down from the tower. He escaped with his life, but the thorns into which he fell pierced his eyes. Then he wandered quite blind about the forest, ate nothing but roots and berries, and did nothing but lament and weep over the loss of his dearest wife. Thus he roamed about in misery for some years, and at length came to the desert where Rapunzel, with the twins to which she had given birth, a boy and a girl, lived in wretchedness. He heard a voice, and it seemed so familiar to him that he went towards it. And when he approached, Rapunzel knew him and fell on his neck and wept. Two of her tears wetted his eyes and they grew clear again and he could see them as before. He led her to his kingdom where he was joyfully received and they lived for a long time afterwards happily and content. Once upon a time, there was a king with six beautiful daughters, but he was not a king of the human world. His lands lay far below the waves, where fish flashed like jewels. The young princess's mother had died, but their grandmother took good care of them. Of all of the princesses, the youngest was the most beautiful. Her long hair floated like a golden cloud. The girls loved to hear their grandmother tell them stories of the land above the waves. There, she told them, human beings walked on strange things called legs. The youngest mermaid longed to see it. When you are fifteen, her grandmother said, you shall go. When the eldest princess was old enough, she swam to the surface, returning to the next returning the next day to tell of the wonderful things she had seen. Year after year, one after another, the mermaid princesses grew old enough to swim up to the world of humans. At last, the time came for the youngest mermaid to see the world she had longed to visit. As she rose to the surface for the first time, the sun was just setting. Nearby, a fine ship was sailing. As the little mermaid watched, a handsome prince came onto the dock. He did not know that he was being watched, or that the little mermaid could not take her eyes from his face. Darkness fell, and the ship began to toss as the wind arose. A dreadful storm wrenched away the sails and the rigging, and huge waves crashed onto the deck. As the ship sank, the little mermaid saw the prince struggling in the water. She held up his head and guided him gently to shore. 
When morning came, the wind dropped and the sun rose. The little mermaid stayed near the shore to watch over the sleeping prince, and before long, some other girls came along. The prince woke up as they bent over him on the sand. Only, the little mermaid felt sad. After that, the little mermaid often rose to the surface, eager for a sight of the prince. At last, she could not bear it any longer. She decided to go to see the powerful water witch. The water witch laughed when she saw the little mermaid. I know why you have come, she said. You want to go and live in the human world so that you can be near the prince. But do you know the price you will have to pay? No, whispered the princess, but I will gladly pay it to be human. I shall need your voice, with which you sing so sweetly, said the witch. Then I can turn you into a lovely human girl. But remember, if the prince does not love you with all of his heart and take you for his wife, you will turn into sea foam and be lost forever. Hurry, said the mer mermaid, I have already decided. And so the water witch gave the mermaid a potion to drink. As soon as the little mermaid stood for the first time before the prince, he wanted to meet her, and although she could not speak to him, he soon found that he could not bear to be apart from her. The little mermaid loved the young man more each day, but he never thought of marrying her. Months passed, and the prince's mother and father urged him to find a bride. At last he agreed to meet a princess in a nearby country. Of course the little mermaid went with him, but she felt as if her heart were breaking. When the prince stepped on shore and met the new princess for the first time, he was so dazzled by her beauty that he decided to marry her at once. The wedding was a magnificent affair, with flowers and silks and jewels. Everyone cheered with joy to see the happy pair. Only the little mermaid was silent, her tears falling unseen. That night the little mermaid stood on deck and, glazed, and gazed at the dark water. At dawn she would be turned into foam. But as she, should, as she stood there, her sisters rose to the surface of the water, their flowing hair cut short. We gave it to the water witch, they said, in return for this knife. If you kill the prince tonight, you will be free of the spell. The little mermaid took the knife, but as dawn broke, she knew that she could never harm the prince. Weeping, the little mermaid plunged into the sea, but instead of turning to foam, she found herself floating in the air. Around her were lovely creatures made of golden light. We are the daughters of the air, they said. You can be happy at last with us. As the little mermaid rose into the sunshine, she looked down at the prince's ship and she smiled. The end. A long time ago lived a king and queen who said every day, if only we had a child, but for a long time they had none. It fell out once as the queen was bathing, that a frog crept out of the water onto the land and said to her, Your wish shall be fulfilled. Before a year has passed, you shall bring a daughter into the world. The frog's words came true. The queen had a little girl who was so beautiful that the king could not contain himself for joy and prepared a great feast. He invited not only his relations, friends, and acquaintances, but the fairies in order that they might be favorably and kindly disposed towards the child. There were thirteen of them in the kingdom, but as the king had only twelve golden plates for them to eat from, one of the fairies had to stay at home. The feast was held with all splendor, and when it came to an end, the fairies all presented the child with a magic gift. One gave her virtue, another beauty, 
a third riches, and so on, with everything in the world that she could ever wish for. When eleven of the fairies had said their say, the thirteenth suddenly appeared. She wanted to revenge herself for not having been invited. Without greeting anyone, or even glancing at the company, she called out in a loud voice, The princess shall prick herself on a spindle in her fifteenth year, and shall fall down dead. Without another word, she turned and left the hall. Everyone was terror-struck, but the twelfth fairy, whose wish was still unspoken, stepped forward. She could not cancel the curse, but she could soften it. So she said, It shall not be death, but a deep sleep lasting a hundred years, into which your daughter shall fall. The king was so anxious to guard his dear child from misfortune, that he sent out a command that all the spindles in the whole kingdom shall be burned. As time went on, all the promises of the fairies came true. The princess grew up so beautiful, modest, kind, and clever that everyone who saw her could not but love her. Now it happened that on the very day when she was fifteen years old, the king and queen were away from the home, and the princess was left quite alone in the castle. She wandered about over the whole place, looking at rooms and halls as she pleased, and at last she came to an old tower. She ascended a narrow, winding staircase and reached a little door. Rusty key hat sticking in the lock, and when she turned it, the door flew open. In a little room sat an old woman with a spindle, spinning her flax busily. Good day, Granny, said the princess. What are you doing? I am spinning, said the old woman, and nodded her head. What is the thing that whirls around so merrily? asked the princess, and she took the spindle and tried to spin it. But she scarcely touched it before the curse was filled, and she pricked her finger with the spindle. The instant she felt the prick, she fell upon the bed which was standing near, and lay still in a deep sleep which spread over the whole castle. The king and queen, who had just come home had, and had stepped into the hall, went to sleep, and all their courtiers with them. The horses went to sleep in the stables, the dogs in the yard, the doves on the roof, the flies on the wall. Yes, even the fire flickering on the hearth grew still and went to sleep, and the roast meat stopped crackling. The cook, who was pulling the scullion's hair because he had made some mistake, let him go and went to sleep. The wind dropped, and on the tree in front of the castle not a leaf stirred. But round the castle a hedge of briar roses began to grow up. Every year it grew higher till at last it surrounded the whole castle so that nothing could be seen of it, not even the flags on the roof. But there was a legend in the land about the lovely sleeping Briar Rose, as the king's daughter was called, and from time to time princes came and tried to force a way through the hedge into the castle. They found it impossible, for the thorns, as though they were had hands, held them fast, and the princess remained caught in them without being able to free themselves and so died a miserable death after many many years a prince came again to the country and heard an old man tell of the castle which stood behind the briar hedge in which a most beautiful maiden called briar rose had been asleep for the last hundred years and with her slept the king queen and all her courtiers he knew also from his grandfather that many princes 
already came and sought to pierce through the briar hedge and had remained caught in it and died a sad death. Then the young prince said, I am not afraid. I am determined to go and look upon the lovely briar rose. The good old man did all in his power to dissuade him, but the prince would not listen to his words. Now, however, the hundred years were just ended, and the day had come when Briar Rose was to wake up again. When the prince approached the briar hedge, it was in blossom and was covered with beautiful large flowers which made way for him of their own accord and let him pass unharmed, and then closed up again into a hedge behind him. In the courtyard he saw the horses brindled hounds lying asleep. On the roof he sat the doves with their heads under their wings. And when he went into the house, the flies were asleep on the walls, and near the throne lay the king and queen. In the kitchen was the cook, with his hand raised as though about to strike the scullion, and the maid sat with the black fowl in her lap, which she was still about to pluck. He went on further, and all was so still that he could hear his own breathing. At last he reached the tower and opened the door to the little room where Briar Rose was asleep. There she lay, looking so beautiful that he could not take his eyes off of her. He bent down and gave her a kiss. As he touched her, Briar Rose opened her eyes and looked lovingly at him. Then they went down together, and the king woke up, and the queen, and all the courtiers, and looked at each other with astonished eyes. The horses in the stables stood up and shook themselves. The hounds leaped about and wagged their tails. The doves on the roof lifted their heads and from their wings, looking around, and flew into the fields. The flies on the walls began to crawl again, and the fire in the kitchen roused itself and blazed up and cooked the food. The meat began to crackle, and the cook boxed the scullion's ears so soundly that he screamed aloud. With the maid finished plucking the fowl, then the wedding of the prince and Briar Rose was celebrated with all splendor, and they lived happily till they died. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Valkyries After Dark. I know this episode was a little different from what we normally do, but it was a lot of fun to record. Stay tuned for another episode next Friday, and we hope you keep on listening. Bye!